Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian church year, uh, each year, begins in the darkness. Uh, the calendar, and for the next three weeks uh, of our regular calendar year, uh, these are the three darkest weeks of the year. Uh, by Friday of this week, we'll have fewer than nine hours of daylight per day. And so what a blessing it is that here in the, the, the church year, which starts anew today, in the season of Advent, we focus on the light. Uh, the light in, in, in the promise that God first made to Adam and Eve and then repeated to generation after generation that is Savior, that the light of the world was coming. What a blessing for us as Christians living today that we don't have to wait for that light to come, but we can look back at this promise that was fulfilled. We get to celebrate Jesus, the Word made flesh, that He was born for us, that in Him was life and that that life was the light of mankind. So here in the season of Advent, we are, are eagerly waiting. We are waiting for something that has already happened and for something that has been promised. We're waiting to hear again of the birth of Jesus. And we're waiting for the, the fulfillment of the promise that he's coming again in glory. That he's coming again to, to overcome and, and dispel the darkness of this world completely. And not just the darkness out there, but the darkness within us as well. And we have that promise that when Jesus returns, when that light comes back, not as a baby, but, but in the glory of our God, that that darkness will be driven out. Jesus is coming back, and Advent is a season of, of waiting eagerly, with anticipation, with joy and hope for that day. Knowing the struggles, the difficulty, the darkness that we face in our lives and in our hearts and ourselves, but knowing also who God has declared us to be through faith in him. Our text for today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. And here, Paul emphasizes the light. He emphasizes the reality as God declares it, while knowing the, the darkness and the struggles of the people also to whom he's writing. I will begin reading here at verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. You were enriched in him in every way, in all your speaking and all your knowledge, because the testimony about Christ was established in you. As a result, you do not lack any gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also keep you strong until the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, these words are yours, and so we know that they are the truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. So as I said, these words are from 1 Corinthians, uh, what we know as 1 Corinthians, but there's a lot of evidence in this letter to suggest that this is the second one that Paul wrote to this Christian congregation in Corinth. Uh, there's a, a lot of evidence to suggest that, that the first letter was responded to by the Corinthians, that they sent kind of a status update as to how they were doing in Paul's absence, how things were going, and, and, and to, to give him questions. Uh, and the status wasn't good. Uh, there were a lot of problems with these young, immature Christians. There were uh, problems of dissension, of, of arguments, of, of bickering. There was open sin happening in the church. There, there was even some, some attitude in this letter towards Paul, some questions about his authority. Who are you, and, and what authority do you have to tell us what to believe and what to do? 
So putting myself in Paul's shoes, receiving a, a letter like this, uh, being disappointed, obviously, uh, and being a little miffed, I, I know that the temptation that I would have in my heart is to respond to this attitude with attitude, right? To tell him, this is who I am, this is who sent me, and this is everything that you guys are doing wrong. That's what we'd expect out of this letter. But what we just read is very different, right? The words that we just read are the beginning of, of the letter, and, and they are words that are filled with encouragement and love and grace and understanding and patience. And so as Paul's writing to this, this erring Christian congregation, he's, he's not reprimanding them. Instead, he's pointing them over and over and over again to the source of their joy, to the power source of their Christian life, to Jesus. And the first words that he writes that we read here are so familiar to us, and we hear them often. Uh, they are how pastors often start the sermon, including how I started here this morning. But what happens sometimes is in our, our churches is when we hear something repeatedly, when we say it over and over and over again, we stop thinking about it. Uh, it's easy to gloss over. So I don't want us to gloss over these words here this morning. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying one of the most important things, after I tell you who I am, after I acknowledge who this letter is to, the most important thing for you to know is that grace is yours, that you have the grace of God. That word grace is so loaded with meaning. Uh, grace is God's undeserved love for mankind. And the beauty of grace is that by definition, it cannot be earned, right? It has to be free. For, for grace to be grace, by how it is defined, the moment that I earn it, the moment that I do something to, to deserve it, the moment I, I pay for it, the moment that I, I, I respond to it and say, hey, I'll pay you back for this in, 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 in repayment for it, it's no longer grace. It has to be free. Grace is undeserved love that exists even when the giver of that grace is not loved back. So grace has nothing to do with us. Right? Grace has nothing to do with, with us as the recipients of grace except for the fact that we don't deserve it. Grace has everything to do with our God who has identified that, that his nature is that of the essence of love. God is love. Paul says that's what you have. You are recipients. You possess the undeserved love of God. And you also possess peace. And again, it's a, loaded, a, a word that's loaded with meaning. Because our God is, is righteous and holy and he does not tolerate the presence of sin. And, and we who are, are born in sin, with sin not just as what we do, but as part of who we are, that means a lifetime of warring against our holy and righteous God. Right? That, that means that, that there's separation, that means eternal death, but instead of, of all of those things, what we have is peace. Paul says peace is yours through faith in Christ. How? It's because of that grace. Again, look how Paul is speaking to these believers, not with attitude, not with anger, but he's reminding them of what they have and what they have been made into. I always thank my God for you. For you who just sent me back this letter of everything that's going wrong, who sent me back questions about my own authority and what I've taught you, I thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. You were enriched in him in every way, in all your speaking, and all your knowledge, because the testimony about Christ was established in you. Paul's looking past the controversy, past the dissension, and the errors, and the insults, and his own annoyance at these people to see the heart and the value 
to, of the people to whom he's writing. Right? So he knows that these are, are not just those annoying, immature Christians over there in Corinth. These are our flawed but dearly loved children of God who are struggling against the darkness in their own hearts, the temptation of this world, and who have yet still been declared righteous. Right? They have been declared not guilty through the gift of faith that has been given to them in Jesus. Paul's recognizing, yes, there are character flaws, there are, 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 are failures, there are, are sins that they, are, that they are, are being tempted by and giving into. There are things that they are doing wrong, but the most important thing about these people is that they have been shown grace. And that means everything for these Corinthians, for Paul, and for us. He says, I thank God for you because of the grace given to you in Christ Jesus. That is grace shown in its most full and tangible way in Christ Jesus. Right, we are preparing for, to celebrate the, the birth of Jesus. We know that when he came, when he took on human flesh, when he came to live among us, he didn't do that to, to show us how to get to heaven. Right? He didn't do that to be the trailblazer, to say, follow in my footsteps, do what I do, and you too can ob- obtain eternal life. He came to do it all for us. He did everything, we added nothing He did it all. He took the punishment and gave us his righteousness. The grace of God is yours, and it's here in its clearest form, right? God allowed himself to be punished for the sins that we committed against him. We deserved hell. He gave us heaven. We received the opposite of what we deserve. That's that's the definition of grace. There's no better definition for the undeserved love that God has for us. Paul's reminding the the Corinthians and us that that grace is foundational. It it lays the the foundation upon which we stand as God's people living in this world. Verse 6, he says, The testimony about Christ was established. It was deeply rooted in you. Paul's talking about faith. He's talking about understanding and and putting a, a firm reliance and trust on who Jesus is, what his nature is, and on what he has done to save us. That same testimony about Christ was established in us when we were given the gift of faith. Right? For some of us, it was at our baptism. For some of us, it was, it was through exposure to God's word that the Holy Spirit worked that faith within us. But when that happened, when we were brought into faith, we were recreated. And this, this new life that we were given, it was built on the foundation of the undeserved love of God and the peace that results from it. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it makes it all sound so wonderful, doesn't it? Uh, Paul is writing to these believers who, who have grace and peace through faith in Jesus, who were enriched in every way, in all their speaking and knowledge. And as a result of the work of God, they did not lack any gift as they eagerly waited for Jesus to return. How wonderful, right? But remember, Paul's writing to them knowing the reality We read these words knowing the reality of what's going on in Corinth, what's going on in in their relationships, in their Christian congregation, in their own hearts, and in their lives. These were immature, weak Christians who were prone to fighting and bickering and certainly did not have everything right. So what's Paul doing? Why is he only focusing on the light? Paul is is building these Christians up. He's, He's encouraging them and he's doing what he should do. He's pointing them to the source. He's reminding them of what it, what it means for us to know that the promise was fulfilled. 
right? That the Savior of the world was born for us, that Jesus has come and that in him was life and that life was the light of mankind. This season of Advent is about waiting. We are reminded to wait with eagerness, with patience, and to prepare ourselves. We know that God always keeps his promises. So just like the the Corinthians 2,000 years ago, today still, we are waiting eagerly for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, for him to return again in the same way he ascended, for him to, to raise the dead, and for him to bring us to be where he is forever. We are waiting for that day, but today we struggle, right? Today we grapple and we wrestle and we fight against the darkness because just like the Corinthians, there's two sides of us, right? There's this, this new creation that's, that's, that's created within us, this new creation, a, a work of the Holy Spirit that's created within us when we are given the gift of faith, that stands firmly rooted on the grace and the peace that's given to us through faith in Christ. But then there's also that sinful nature, right? That sinful nature that still lurks within our human flesh that lives in and loves the darkness. And we know that the light of mankind has come into the world and in the person of Jesus Christ, God and man in one. But then we read the newspaper or we read news online and and it takes one minute to understand and to know that darkness still exists in the world as well. The darkness of sin, of death, of temptation and disappointment. And this is, this is the reality for us here at peace, just as it was the reality for the people in Corinth. We as a congregation will at times struggle. There will be bickering, there will be dissension among us, there will be error, and there's definitely going to be some attitude at times. As these two natures war against each other, as these two natures fight against each other, as we struggle against that that darkness of temptation and our sinful nature, at times we have to understand that the sinful nature wins. We examine our hearts and our lives and we see sin. When that happens, though, I want you to remember what Paul does here, how he is writing to this Christian congregation. When we look at our our life and examine it in the mirror of God's law, when we understand that we have fallen into sin, we repent, right? But we need to know what that repentance is. It's not just chastising ourselves or, or other people, right? It's not just getting angry and beating ourselves up. It's not just looking inside and, and being ashamed of what we have done, right? It's not just saying, man, I, I really messed up. I sure am worthless. I, I can't believe I did that. I need to try way harder, Repentance is not just being disappointed with yourself. Repentance is is seeing your reflection in the mirror of the law, identifying where we have fallen short, acknowledging that, saying, yes, I'm sinful. And it's turning away from that sin and turning towards your Savior. And we can't forget that second part of repentance, turning away from sin, but turning towards our Savior. Because what Paul writes here is not a lie, right? He's not making this up. What he's saying is true for the Corinthians and for us. We do not lack any spiritual gift. We have everything that we need. We don't always act like it, but it doesn't make it less true. Right? For every single sin, there is grace. For every single failure, every single time we have fallen short, there is forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus. 
And this, this struggle, this pattern of, of repentance and forgiveness, of confession and absolution, of examining our, our hearts in view of the law and then turning to God in, in faithful repentance and acknowledgement of his, his forgiveness, this pattern of, of waffling between the darkness and the light, this, this struggle against our sinful nature is not going to end until our last day. Whether that's when, when God returns in glory or when we ourselves die. And that's why we wait eagerly. Right? That's where the anticipation, that's where the eagerness comes from. Because we look at ourselves and we realize the good that we want to do, that's not what we're doing. Right? Then the, the evil that we don't want to do, that's what we keep on doing. We keep on giving in to the darkness, the sinful nature within us, the, the, the temptations of this evil world that are all around us. And then we turn back to Jesus in repentance and we understand and, and believe his forgiveness again. And so we eagerly wait for that day when that struggle is over. And thanks to Jesus, we know that it, that it will. It will be over. It will be done. But we don't exactly know when. Right? As I said, Advent is a season of, of, of waiting, a season of preparation, a season of, of, of getting ready. And the great comfort is, is that like forgiveness, that eagerness and that readiness, it ultimately doesn't come from us. Right? Even that is a work of God within us. Look at verse 8. He will also keep you strong until the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Notice who's doing all of the action. Right? God is faithful. God will keep you strong. He is the one who continues to work through his word, and through his sacrament to get us and keep us ready for the end. The end of our life and the end of the world. That's why we, we emphasize so strongly here in the season of Advent, being in the word of God, preparing our hearts, exposing ourselves to his word and his sacraments, which get us and keep us ready, not just as we prepare for Christmas, but every day. Because there in the word and sacraments, those are the means of grace Right? As, as God wants to, wants to unload on you and, and dump on you all of this undeserved love, he does it through his word and through his sacrament. Through these things, God keeps us and makes us ready for our Savior's return. Where the darkness is gone and there is only the light. So as you endure this battle, as you go through this, this struggle, as you uh, come to grips with your character flaws, with your faults and, and your failures, remember the truth. Okay, remember that as you struggle with the darkness within you, as you wrestle with the reality of those faults, as you come face to face with your failures, you are in God's grace. And through that grace, we have peace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom you have total and complete forgiveness of every sin you have ever committed. In this season of Advent and in this season of our entire life, as we are preparing, as we are waiting, we know that we are waiting not in fear, not in trepidation, not with questions on our hearts. We have nothing to fear. We have everything to look forward to. That's why we wait eagerly. Amen.